So I got to tell you the story. Yesterday morning, uh, we got up and I took my two boys, uh, Wade and Clayton, and Clayton had a friend spend the night, so he came with us. We went to Nashville and, um, you know, got dressed, went to Nashville. Montgomery's still sleeping because she's almost 13 and that's what they do, right? Um, And so uh, we get to Nashville and we look over and two tables over from us is, is Mike Vrabel, the coach of the Titans. Um, along with his wife and his son, a Tyler, who plays for the Atlanta Falcons. And I've met Mike before, but don't really know him that well. The boys wanted to get a picture with him. Then it occurred to me, I'm wearing a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt. <clears throat> so I walked over to the table, and um, I said, you know, Coach, the boys want to get a picture with you. And he looked at me and was like, seriously, you know? And I said, lifelong, you know, Cowboys, but don't worry, just as much a Titans fan. And um, anyway, he took the picture. He did not take a picture with me, but with the boys. But um, he probably wondered if I was really committed to supporting our home team, supporting that T-shirt. Today is what we call Commitment Sunday here at Woodmont. And this brings our spring stewardship campaign uh, to a close that L.A. and Martha Gallion have led over the past three to four weeks. Um, It's on this day that we ask our members and anybody else who would like to make a a commitment to support the church for another year beginning July 1st. These are just commitments, and what we do is we take them, and we add them all up, and we set our budget responsibly uh, based on them. It just gives us an idea of what we can expect over the next church year. But for those of you who have already done that uh, already, thank you. Thank you for turning that in. Uh, All of our generosity keeps this church going, and it makes a really big difference in the life of this community. And so you can look in your bulletin this morning, You can find a lot of information about our budget, where your money goes, the outreach recipients that we support on a quarterly basis uh, through grants. Uh, There's a lot of info in your budget today that you can uh, take home with you or reference uh, this morning. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, then how can its saltiness be restored? He said, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, Jesus says, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, so that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, he said, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You've heard those words, some of the most famous words from the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to know something this morning. I want you to know that I have been incredibly proud of how our church has really stepped up in this community over the past month. I'm always proud of our church and all the ministries and programs and our staff and everybody, but Woodmont has really stepped up over the past four weeks after what happened uh, at the Covenant School. Uh, It affected all of us. It still affects us. But our church has been a light for so many who have been walking in darkness. And so I want to Lift that up this morning, and I want to thank you for that. Today, what I'd like to do on this Commitment Sunday is I want to talk about priorities. Priorities in our lives, priorities that we have as a church. And I want you to do something this morning, either on your bulletin or if you must on your phone, that's fine. I want you just to take a minute, and I want you to write down your top three or four priorities in your life meaning the things that you want your life to be about. These are the things that really matter to you. These are the things that, that, 
that give you meaning and, and purpose in your life. And I've had some groups do that this week, including the staff. Just write those down, or if you're really smart, you make a mental note of those things. And I'll share mine with you. Mine all start with F. Faith. I want to nurture my faith and relationship with God through Christ. I want to grow in my spiritual life. I want to always be working to, to be a better person. My second one is family. I want to be the best husband and father that I can be. I want to be present for them. I want to spend meaningful time with them. I want to love them proactively. Um, Megan and I got away last weekend for the very first time in quite a while. And so couples remember that you owe it to your marriage to get away with your spouse, away from the kids so that you can spend time together and keep your relationship strong and alive. My third priority is friendships. I want to invest in the relationships that make me a better person. And remember, who you surround yourself with in life matters. It will either pull you up or pull you down. We, we all get to decide who we want to spend time with. You don't have to be around everybody all the time. And those decisions matter. And then my last priority area is what I'm going to call farm which is another way of saying career. I want to be the best minister, pastor, preacher, teacher that I can be. But I don't want that to crowd out the other three things that I have mentioned. Faith, family, friendship. Now, under that, or in your mind, I want you to, to make another list of your realized priorities based on how you actually spend your time and your money and your resources. These are the things that your calendar and your bake statement clearly tell you are important in your life. And if they're the same as the first list, that's great. But chances are they probably aren't. They might look a little bit different. We might put faith at the top of our first list and then realize we don't really have a good routine to nurture our faith, to nurture our spiritual life. We, we might realize that we work too much or we spend too much money on, on eating out or, or on leisure. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart always follows our treasure. Our treasure does not necessarily always follow our heart. Last thing I want you to do. I want you to write down three or four core values that you hope other people will see when they describe you. Are you honest? Are you loyal? Are you kind? Are you generous? Are you compassionate and empathetic? What would you say? Write those values down. Maybe share them later with your, your spouse or with a friend. Woodmont's gonna celebrate, we're gonna celebrate our 80th birthday in just a couple of months in July. Church was started in 1943, planted right here. It's not a perfect church because guess what? We're all broken people. I'd like to say that everybody is welcome here because nobody is perfect. And if you are a perfect person, then I, I don't know if there's a lot we can do with you here, to be honest with you. We have a clear mission statement, growing disciples of Christ by seeking God, sharing love, and serving others. And so everything that we do here should fall under the umbrella of that mission statement. If it doesn't, we probably shouldn't do it.
We have a set of core values that we believe describe the DNA of our church, which if you think that the church is made up of Christians, should describe how we all act and behave. We, we want to be welcoming. We want to have outstanding worship, three different forms, really four if you count the online. We're, we're dedicated to outreach. We have different traditions and denominations here. Um, we are passionate about mission and ministry. We're always on the move. We're nurturing. And at the end of the day, we want to be transforming. In other words, we don't want you to stay the same after you've been a part of this church. We want you to be transformed, inspired, changed. What I'd like to talk about this morning, in addition to priorities, is what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. And honestly, this is a theme that we find throughout the Bible and throughout the Gospels. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Heart follows treasure. There's lots of things that I care about, but I don't support them with my money. But guess what? The things that I support with my money, I care deeply about. Heart follows treasure. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Why do you think Jesus talked about this subject so much? Why was it an ongoing theme in his life and ministry and teaching? It wasn't because he was trying to raise a church budget. It wasn't because he had a staff to support or payroll to meet. It wasn't because he needed a raise. Why do you think he talked about it so much? Jesus talked about this topic, money, possessions, things, because he knew how stressful and complicated our relationship with money is. And he was right back then in the first century, and guess what? He's still right today. Jesus knew that if we aren't careful, money will become our God. And all you have to do is look around our culture and you can see how for many people that's clearly the case. Money is a God. Money is the default scoreboard in a capitalistic society. And as human beings, we will always have to resist the temptation of turning money into a God. You know, Woodmont needs your support. Make no mistake, we need your support. We cannot do what we do at this church without your support. We need your support to keep moving into the future, to keep setting vision, to keep changing lives, to keep serving and healing and making a difference in this community. But far more importantly than that, I think all of us have to stop and ask the question, why did Jesus drive this topic home so much? And I'm going to share with you some thoughts as to why I think this was so important to him. First thought is this. We live in a society that judges everything by money. For many people in our culture, your net worth equals your self-worth. And that's not a good thing, by the way. Even if you have a high net worth, that's not a good thing because we should all be judged by the content of our character and not by what we have or don't have. God created us and put us here on earth to love each other and to support each other, the, the, to journey together, to give back. But for whatever reason, you know, we kind of got bored with that plan. And so we came up with a different game. 
What's the game we play? The game we play looks something like this. Let's see how much we can collect and accumulate over time, and then the person who dies with the most toys wins. That's the game we play, right? That's not God's game. That's our game. God says, I want you to love and serve each other. I want you to look out for each other. I want you to help each other and pray for each other and forgive each other. But we say, no, 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 God, our game is way more fun because we get to compete with each other. And we get to see who has the nicest stuff. But when we play our game, this is the problem. We're never satisfied because our game never ends. Have you noticed that? What did John Rockefeller Jr. say when he was asked how much Mr. Rockefeller is enough? Do you remember what he said? Just a little bit more. You see, Jesus knew that this is the game that humans would play. They played it back in the first century. We play it today. And this is not, by the way, a knock on capitalism or business or or any of that. This is not a knock on being successful. It's not a knock on having nice stuff. It's a knock on judging people, other people, simply by what they have or don't have. As Christians, we can't do that. This is an acknowledgement of how our culture seems to operate and why so many of us feel like it can be so shallow because when it comes to money and stuff we're not satisfied no matter what level we're on we're not satisfied somebody else always has more the second reason Jesus talked about this topic is because he knew he knew that it would be the single greatest source of stress and anxiety in our lives And he was right. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, do you think it's a coincidence that after we get through the money verses in chapter 6, he goes right into the worry passage? Right? He, He goes right into these words. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? You see, Jesus knew that money and all the things related to it would be the greatest source of stress and tension in our lives. And it would keep us from experiencing the peace that he wanted to bring. Because it often causes us to live in fear and to think that we're not going to have enough. And he was right. Because when we are always worried about money, when we're worried about paying the bills, we're worried about living in a town like Nashville that's become super expensive, by the way, if you haven't noticed, when we're worried about those things, it's really hard to experience God's presence in our lives. It's hard to be grateful for what we have. You know, people never compare themselves with those who have less. You see that? It's always with those who have more. So Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. But if we're honest, we often don't live that way. We let the worries of tomorrow keep us from experiencing God's grace and presence today. And so we have a hard time being present and a hard time being thankful. And oftentimes we know that money is at the heart of our stress. The third thought that I have about why Jesus talked about this subject is this. How we spend our money communicates our values in life. 
Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that. If you invest in your kids or your grandkids' education, you want them to learn. If you invest in your 401k, at one point you want to retire. If you invest in your alma mater, then you want it to do well. If you invest in your church, then you want it to make a difference and have an impact, right? Whether we know it or not, the way that we use our money communicates our values. So if I don't know somebody, I'd say, give me your bank statement, give me your calendar, and I'll tell you what's most important in your life based on how you spend your time and your money. It's always been true. The last reason that I think Jesus talked about this subject is because he wanted to offer us a solution. And you know what the solution is? It's generosity. The solution is learning to share. The, the solution is using what we have to help other people. The, that, that's liberating. That's what sets us free. That's what brings us joy. You see, generosity is a mark of the Christian life. It shows that we realize that everything we have, everything is a gift from God. And we're simply stewards of it. No, but it's ours. It's mine. I earned it. No, it's not. It's a gift from God. And we just get to take care of it for a while. You know, it's been said before that we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And so real joy in life comes through giving and serving and helping other people. And it's only when we move beyond ourselves that we find that purpose. So yes, Woodmont needs your support. We do this every April. We need your support. We need your commitment. Our staff is in. Our leaders are in. But more importantly than that, the world needs the church for many reasons. And we've seen that very clearly in Nashville over the past month. You know, the church is called to heal because Jesus healed to minister to those who are sick and struggling and grieving and lost and hungry, uh, those who are lonely. And, and we're going to start a new series next Sunday on the topic of healing and how we heal in life. The, 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 the church is called the love because Jesus loved. He said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things hang all the law and the commandments. The church is called to bring comfort and hope because the world can be a very scary and hard place and there's fear everywhere and anxiety. But Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Trust in me. Today's trouble is enough for today. The church is called to bring peace because that's what Jesus did. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. You know, there's enough division and enough hostility, and enough resentment in our world. And the church is called to be the opposite of that. You know, the bottom line is the church is called to grow and serve and change lives. Changing lives is our business. And we believe here that Jesus Christ can change your life because we see it all the time. And Woodmont is changing lives because we see it all the time. And, and, and we have to support it to, to keep making it happen. I want you to look at that list of priorities that you either wrote down or put in your head. And then I want you to look at that list of what I call realized priorities. And I want you to think, how can I get my realized priorities to line up directly with what I want my life to be about? 
Because here's what I think. So many people, all ages by the way, know what their life should be about. But when it comes to getting their time and their resources and their energy and their attention aligned with it, there's something missing. I don't think we do it on purpose. I think commitments and demands and children and family um, do it for us. But you have to know what's most important in your life and keep it important. I want to close with a story that... um, a longtime friend and mentor of mine passed away years ago, a guy named Clayton McCorder. Many of you remember Clayton. He was a part of Woodmont. But he told me this story one time about a guy that, that made a really significant donation to a college, small college. He was a wealthy guy. The school kind of turned around, went on to become a thriving university, and, and, and just was doing great. And, and um, I mean, Clayton was in, involved at Belmont, and he was very generous to Belmont, and he helped get Belmont to where it is today. But the story... This particular story went this way. Years later, they wanted to honor the man. And so they went looking for him, and they found that he was totally out of money. He was broke. He was living in a shanty. He hardly had anything. And they said, we want to bring you back at our, at our anniversary. We want to honor you for the gift that you made. And the guy said, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm kind of embarrassed. I said, no, no, no. He said, no, no, please, come do it. So they talked him into it, and they got him dressed up, and they brought him back. To, uh, to the school, and they put him before the student body, and, and, and they offered him, asked him, would you share some words, and this is what he said. He said, you know, I thought I'd lost it all. I thought that I didn't have anything left, but I learned something tonight. I learned this, that in life, what you give away, you never really lose. Amen.